0: Good morning, Hope Church. So good to see you this morning. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're glad that you could join us this morning. We are so blessed to have the worship. Uh, It's it's so much more than just the people you see here, but from early this morning, everyone that was here setting up all of this, setting up the sound, and coming here and leading us in worship, um, all of it ultimately To lead us in worshiping and praising our Lord and Savior. This was good. We we have so much to be thankful for in that uh, it doesn't feel like this is a church that's just a few weeks old. Um, We are incredibly blessed. So, thank you, everyone, uh, for serving the Lord in that way to bring us into worship. My name is David, Uh, I am the English pastor here at Hope Church, Ruben here is the Spanish pastor, we are co-pastors of a work that God has led us uh, to lead, uh, that there are two languages uh, but God has led us to say this is one body, one church, we have two languages but we have one hope in Jesus Christ. Um, If if you speak Spanish, um, I encourage you uh, just to challenge yourself a little bit. Even if you just join the worship in the service that follows this one, it's the same band, some of the same songs, but in Spanish. Um, kind of take you out of your comfort zone a little, maybe be awesome if you can, if you can understand Spanish better than me. Um, even though I do stay for the second service, and I understand maybe sixty uh, percent if I'm lucky. Um, Ruben's going to be on the same topic, but a different, different side of the same topic. So. You can be blessed by his teaching as well. We are continuing this morning in a series through the letters of hope. Uh, Life practices, four life practices uh, that we can exercise in order to live in the hope of Jesus Christ. We've already covered the letter H, which is hearing with faith, where we looked into uh, the practice of opening the word of God, of hearing it and trusting it as God's word, trusting it in our lives. We looked at the letter O, obedience by faith, where we looked at how faith and trusting the wisdom of God in my life leads to obedience and following Jesus, following him. And now we are to the letter P, which is praying in faith. In each of these letters, there has been a relationship to faith And in each of these letters, there's a dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, Um, the transforming power of God in our lives, walking in the living hope of Jesus Christ. So the the praying in faith now has to do with the position of our life to effectively pray, uh, to see real change in our life and those around us in prayer, something that's Critically important for our church, something that we need to better understand so that we can walk in it. Um, The passage that we're going to use as as the main passage for this letter uh, is one that we looked at last week. Uh, It's in James chapter 1. And we were looking at this as a request for wisdom, but if we read it again, James chapter 1, starting in verse 5... It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. And we looked at that and how we saw how um, that qualification of not doubting, of, of trusting the wisdom that, we're gonna ha- that God is giving us, uh, the, the in faith here is in, is in contrast to the doubting It's it's a confidence towards God, confidence that God is hearing my prayer, confidence that he's answering my prayer, confidence in the thing he's answering with, that the wisdom that he's giving me is good, that his answer is the best for me. There's a lot of places in scripture where we see the effectiveness of prayer depending on the conditions of the one praying, the faith of that person. Uh, the righteousness of that person, the just the place that I am in life, uh, am I walking close to God when I'm praying? Uh, there, there are conditions to expecting effectiveness out of my prayer. Uh, an example in James further on that we see uh, where there isn't effectiveness in prayer. James is is really getting after folks here, and I, and and this is a chapter. We're not going to get into the whole chapter here, but. But if you want just the Bible to really dig into you, uh, prepare yourself to be receptive. And and boy, he speaks straight and and he takes you to school in this chapter. But right in the middle of it is the grace of God. Praise the Lord. But here, just at the beginning, chapter 4, verse 2, says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. There's a first reason that prayer is ineffective is that we don't pray. How can you expect prayer to be effective uh, if you don't pray to begin with? And then he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passion. You're asking for the wrong reasons. Your life is not in faith. Your life is in the wrong direction. It's no wonder why... You're not receiving anything from the Lord. So what does it look like to walk in faith? It's everything we've been talking about so far. It's hearing with faith. It's obedience by faith. It's a life that's seeking God, that's, that's following Christ, that's looking for the wisdom of God's word. That, that's a life in faith that is going to be able to then approach God knowing that God is hearing my prayers and God is going to respond. If I look in John uh, chapter 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me, that means to be near to me, to be, to be close to Christ, to be there alongside following Christ. If you abide in me, it's obedience by faith. And my word abides in you. That's hearing with faith. That's the implanted, living, abiding word of God, living, abiding in my life. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's incredible power in a life that's yielded to God that then is approaching God in prayer. So It's vitally important for us as a church to understand prayer, to know how to pray. Um, and that's what I want to dig into this morning. How, how does prayer work into my life, regular daily life, following and living in the hope of Jesus Christ? Before we dig into that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that we can go to and find the truth. God, I confess this topic is bigger than I am. We're dealing with your power at work something that I can't fully wrap my hand, head around and comprehend. God, we need to understand this rightly. I don't want to, to take this wrong and exercise things in a way that isn't glorifying you, that isn't walking according to your truth. So God, I pray that you would just show us in your word your truth, that you would open our hearts to know the life that you have for us and what part prayer has in that. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we can see, well, how prayer fits into our daily life, we need to understand better the reality of the situation that we're in. And as I was digging into, God, what is it that we need to know this week as we're going to be pressing into prayer? He led me to Ephesians 6. Um, So if you could turn with me to Ephesians 6. We are in a battle. When we wake up in the morning, we are wrestling with something we don't see, and and it's not something we always recognize as the case. What we see is our family member or our friend or co-worker, and, and we're wrestling through things. There's something bigger that's going on. The truth of God's word is showing us there's more than what you see. There's a battle that we're in daily, and the enemy that we're wrestling with is not my spouse. It's not a, a child who's who's rebellious. It's not that coworker. The real enemy is not the the people that are on the other side of the political lines. It's not the people that are out there who are attacking the truth of God's word. Surely that must be the enemy. No, he's saying the enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is not the people that are persecuting terribly the church that is around the world. Those people are still not the enemy. Those who are terrorizing countries, terrorizing the world, those people are not the real enemy that we're wrestling against. In a sense, they are an enemy, and that that and and we have direction from God's word. How do we treat those enemies? We don't wrestle against them. He says, "Love your enemies, bless those who persecute you." We have to see and be wise about who the real enemy is. Who is the enemy? It is the devil, and not just the devil. Boy, I don't understand all the things that are mentioned here. There's something much bigger. Uh, the the forces that that the devil has gathered around him, uh, than what I see. The truth is that's what we're wrestling against. We saw this, we saw these powers listed uh, last week when we were looking at just the the magnitude of the wisdom of God Uh, earlier in the same book in Ephesians. If I go back to chapter three, let's look at that passage again. Again, this is where, where Paul is talking about the mystery of the gospel that, uh, that is not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles also, to, to us as well, and he's, he's talking about how that's been revealed now, and, and he says, um, in, starting in verse eight, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ." And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. What was this plan that's been hidden? So that through the church, through Hope Church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So there's this eternal purpose that God has through his own son now realized. And in the church now, we have evidence of and a display of the wisdom of God that those who were under sin, under the power of these authorities, God is now saving. God's plan of redemption is now evident and working and real here in Hope Church and those powers that be see that, and they don't like it. They don't like it at all. But what can they do? Obviously, we wrestle against them. There's something they can do. But what can they do? There's a there's a verse, let's go to John chapter 14, that to me, just it's this super understated verse. There's many of these in the Bible where just in a few words, very calmly, uh, without a lot of description, it just says something that is so incredible. Um, here, end of John chapter 14, Jesus uh, knows it's about time uh, for him to go to the cross. The end is near. Um, there's still a mystery there as to how God is going to fulfill his promise. But there, Jesus, the Son of God, the one through whom God is going to fulfill his promise, knows the time is ready. And he says in verse 30, I will no long, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world, that's Satan, the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. It says, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let's go from here. The Son of God, God Almighty, saying, the ruler of this world is on his way. He has no claim on me. He has claim on everyone else, but he has no claim on the Son of God because Jesus is without sin. Jesus is God Almighty in flesh. And the ruler of this world has no claim on him. And the ruler of this world, Satan, is thinking, well, I don't know what he was thinking, but I'm imagining he's thinking, I've got this now. I can destroy the promise. And time and time again, God pulls this one on Satan where Satan thinks he's got it and now he's going to get the upper hand with God. He is going to destroy the promised one so that God's plan of redemption can't come through. And ultimately we see that Jesus was willingly going to the cross to pay for our sins, to purchase us out of the claim that Satan did have on all of us. So now through faith in Christ, we stand here, Hope Church, and Satan doesn't have a claim on us. We can say, just like Jesus did, the ruler of this world is in opposition against us, but he has no claim on me. That is the wisdom of God in his plan displayed before the rulers and the powers and the authorities. That's the situation that we are in. Do we need to fear? No. One of my my favorite verses of the promise of our security in Christ is at the end of Romans. And I'm doing a lot of flipping around, so just bear with me. End of Romans, chapter 8. I already have one person who's taken me up on on memorizing this chapter. He's already way ahead of me. Any other takers? You're welcome to jump in. We have a year to get it done. All right, end as Romans chapter eight says in verse 38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, all of those forces set against me, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God purchased us. It's a done deal Satan can't undo what was done at the cross. and So what is he going to do now? He's going to try to frustrate our plans. He doesn't want anyone else in this community around us to know the truth. And so he's the deceiver. That was one of his biggest things that he does is he will deceive those around us. He'll try to make us ineffective, to put doubt and fear and, and all sorts of paralyzing things into our lives to say, no, I, I can't follow God there, but God is greater than that. So let's finally dig into what's in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, all right. Let's look in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, be able to stand withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. How many times did he say stand? Having fastened, oop, I'm going to fall down. Having fastened on the belt of truth. He's going to go through this analogy. In this time, there was the Roman soldier was, was what was known. So some of the words here are actually referencing parts of the armor of a Roman soldier. But he's, just, he's showing us all of what we have as resources that God has given us to withstand the enemy. It says, having fastened on the belt of truth, that's what we looked at at the very beginning. God's word, God's truth is the starting point that's going to prepare us for action. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Christ putting on his righteousness so that, uh, so that I am without uh, guilt, I am without, uh, uh, the world can't bring anything against me that no, no one can bring an accusation against those who are in Jesus Christ, because Christ has paid for the sin. I've got the righteousness of Christ holding on to those promises that are in Romans eight. The breastplate of righteousness and a shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel, the gospel which has made it possible for us to have peace with God, for us to have peace with each other. There's a readiness now. I'm at peace with God and with, with those in my church. I'm ready to stand firm in the gospel. And then he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. The name for shield there is what the Roman soldiers would use. It was a whole body shield. And they would, they would uh, coat it in, in leather and dip it in, and soak it in water so that flaming arrows would be extingu- extinguished when they hit it said, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Flaming darts, doubts, fears, persecution, suffering, anything that by identifying ourselves with Christ, you see the world bring against you because of it. It's not just the people, the flesh and blood of this world that are bringing that against you. It is the enemy behind them who wants to destroy, to suppress to defeat you so that you can't spread the light of the gospel. The next thing he says, and take the helmet of salvation. That word for take in the Greek is actually different than the previous words for take. It has more to do with receiving. God is placing on our head this helmet of salvation. He's putting into our hand the Bible, the sword of the spirit, saying there, you are equipped to stand against the devil. You have what you need. So then what does he tell this soldier who is so equipped and prepared to stand against what the devil is doing? He says, pray. Pray. And don't stop praying. That's what he gives us to do. Soldier of the Lord, pray. He says, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Supplication means to petition God, to beg God, to humbly ask God, God, we need this. Work in my family, work in my community, work through Hope Church. Not just to ask him real quick and then head on our way. It's to to petition God. Say, God, look, this is the purpose you have called us to. Your name is at stake here. God, you are. Show up and do a work because we need you to do a work. And who does he say to pray for? To that end, keep alert. To what end? It's, It's the end to be praying at all times. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're to be praying for each other. We're to be praying for all the saints, for those in Hope Church for those in Fellowship Church, for every church in Austin that calls on the name of the Lord, we need to be praying for them. As we hear reports of churches around the world that are under terrible persecution, which there are right now, we need to be praying for them. Say, David, is that really going to make much of a difference? Yes. I can tell you, in my own life, Really understanding prayer has been something that's, I'm an analytical person. I got to understand it. Well, prayer's not something you can fully understand. The more you dig into it, it just blows your mind because it's, it's this thing where, where my will and my choices and, and God, okay, I'm going to pray for this and I want that to change and that to change, is met with the sovereignty of God because what I'm praying for is confessing by its very nature that God has control over all of the things that I'm praying for. God, I want you to move this storm. God, I want you to, to affect my community, affect the country that I live in. I can pray for these grand things, and God is capable of working in these grand things. That also, he can work in our lives. God, I want you to change the hearts of those in my church, the hearts of those in my family. I want you to change my own heart, my own will. We're confessing God's sovereign work in all of that. And yet at the same time, what I see in Scripture is that if I pray, something happens. If I don't pray, there's an effect to whether or not I pray. We saw that there. He said, you don't receive because you don't pray. The hand of the Almighty God responding to us in prayer, that's an incredible thing. And I don't have to be able to wrap my mind around it to be able to know the truth. That if I go to the Lord in prayer, he is able to answer that prayer. And he wants to hear my prayer. And he wants to answer my prayer. So yes, it will make a difference. Yes, you can pray for something on such a grand scale as the nations and make a difference. You can pray for those in your family for your kids and for your spouse, and it will make a difference. I've seen it in my own family. What else does he say to pray for? Well, he takes the opportunity. You have this prepared Christian who's so powerfully ready to pray. He says, Well, also pray for me. So if I can put myself into this prayer request, and Reuben here, as you're teaching pastors, um, in verse 19. It says, pray also for me. So pray also for us, for Reuben and I, that words may be given to us in opening our mouths boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We need that prayer. And when you pray that, it will make a difference in Reuben and I. That's what we're ta- talking about here. Not because something you bring to the table, but because The Almighty God wants to respond to that kind of prayer. He says, for which I am an ambassador, for which we are ambassadors, praise the Lord that we're not ambassadors in chains. But should that be the path that ultimately we follow, I can testify with my brother, praise the Lord, in that too. That we may declare boldly, declare the gospel as ambassadors to the gospel that we would declare it boldly as we ought to speak. We need to be a church that knows how to pray. There was a verse that I did want to pick up. Let's go there. Is it going to make a difference? An example of how it does make a difference. Let's go to the end of James uh, in chapter 5. Starting in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, the more that we can see that our greatest need is freedom from the sins that are still holding on to us that we need each other. This isn't, this isn't, you gotta be careful about who you're sharing your sins with, obviously. There needs to be trust there that they're not gonna misuse that. But the reason has nothing to do with, with shame or, or the guilt of sins. We, we don't have shame and guilt because Christ has paid for those things. We want to pray for each other that we would be healed, that God would free us from the sins that are in our life. He says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Another one of those verses where you see more effectiveness in prayer based on the condition of the one praying. And then he gives an example. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Yes, When we pray, it makes a difference. When I was on the field with Austin Disaster Relief Network a couple few years ago, I forget exactly, we were in Denham Springs, and the first day that we were there, we were reaching the city that had been almost totally uh, affected by flood. I think 90% of the buildings had been affected by flood, and we were going door to door, meeting people in the midst of a disaster uh, to meet their need and to care for them. And the first day that we were out, it rained again and poured, and we had to cut the day short. And so that next day, we were looking there in our gathering area, ready to go out for the day, and there was just black thunderheads and lightning right there. And we prayed. Boy, it was an experience. Faithful soldiers of the Lord praying against a storm. God, stop the storm. We want to reach this people. God, you have called us to reach this people. That's petitioning the Lord. God, look, you have us here for a purpose. You can't let that storm come because we need to reach these people. And so in faith, with that storm looming right there, we went. And we had the tiniest little sprinkle. And the guys back at headquarters, we had ham radio guys that were were taking care of us. And that, that guy at headquarters said, you guys got to see the radar. That storm has split and it just went right around us. Prayer is powerful because the God who hears us is powerful over everything. Yes, we need to be a church that prays. I am so grateful for how God has formed Hope Church. He has formed us as a church that prays. We have, through the year of preparing to to launch Out of Fellowship Church, um, most of that time has been in prayer. And I've seen, there's a group me out there, if you want to get connected to it, um, grab somebody. Uh, A huge portion of us here have been in that group me. Most of what comes through that group me is prayer requests and people praying, saying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Hitting the little heart, that's mostly what I do, I'm not much of a typer. Hit the heart on there like in the prayer request. And we've seen the results of that. This is a body that is walking in faith to reach East Kyle saying, God, you have led us to this and now we're trusting you in it. And in that, you have people whose lives are yielded to God walking in faith. All right. I think I've spent too much time on this one point. You might be going, okay, David, you have taken this prayer thing to level 10. I am not sure yet, even if I know how to pray. I'm not very confident praying, especially in front of other people. So I just want to look real quick at some things about how to pray. There's a man um, who I was in a church with in California who now lives uh, up in Buda. I think he's in his 70s or 80s, his his 80s. Um, Melgrams, there's people that God puts in your life that you go, when I get to be his age, I want to look like that. I want want to love Jesus like that. This man has been a missionary. He has been a pastor. He is still serving the Lord. I would love to have him come and preach here sometime Um, so you guys could hear just a man who loves Jesus like he does. Well, he posted on Facebook this last week and he, he po- he's like 80, and he posts on Facebook all the time. And he said, the simplest prayer that I can pray and the most effective, is help. Help. How many times in my life has that been the substance of my prayer? God, I don't know. I don't know the way out. God, I don't even know what to pray for. Help. You don't have to have a fancy prayer pray to God. It's your heart. It's the condition of our heart. God, help me. See, when we pray, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. I'm telling you, you got to memorize that chapter. It's full of good stuff. I need to memorize it so I don't have to keep flipping to it. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When all I've got is help, maybe I don't even have help. I'm just beat up. God, I need you. The Spirit of God is there every time when we pray, they're helping you. So know that. All right, some real quick things. When I address the Lord, what am I supposed to say? Dear Lord, dear God, Father, he knows your heart. There's no magic, I've got to address him this way. I like to say Father. That's something that that over the past five, eight years, God has grown in my heart, is just how special it is to call him Father. Father. um, Dan G. Roy, um, the, the father, the dad of, of one of our elders, Jude G. Roy, he likes to say Papa when he's addressing God. Just a special privilege that we have as an adopted son, daughter of God, to call him Father. But you can call him anything Lord, Father. Comedians like to make fun of us because when we, we get nervous about praying or we develop the style of praying where, where we just say his name over and over and over again and say, Well, is that how you would talk to somebody? Hey, David, it's nice to see you, David. It is quite all right. We're addressing the Lord to say his name over and over again. What's in your heart when you address him? Do I need to close my eyes and bow my head? No. (laughs) But it's good to have reverence for God. And there's times... Especially, for me, it's one of those things that's, that's in the quiet of my room. To be on my knees before God, literally on my knees before God, is a good thing. There was a time we were, we were doing this pastor's conference uh, for, for some Spanish pastors in the Midwest. I remember staying at this guy's house, uh, and, and I was this younger kid, not having been in many different kinds of churches, um, and... You know, I had the way that I pray, and it, it, that was comfortable to me. And, and we were on our way to the pastor's conference. I was staying at his house, and he just started laying his heart out for the Lord in there in the car, out loud, just praying like I hadn't seen someone pray before. I was happy he didn't bow his head and close his eyes. <laughs> you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes to pray. Um, praying out loud is a great thing to do. You don't have to. Can God hear me uh, in my thoughts? Yes, God even knows what I'm about to pray before I pray it. That says that in Matthew six. Do I have to? Uh, do I have to speak out loud? No, but there's something incredible about that's different for me to speak out loud words to God. And so, in my car, I will pray out loud. There's something just just within me to take this muddled mess of thoughts and then express to the Lord out loud. Prayer. There's something good in that. Um, but you don't have to. Um, why do we say amen? It's not something we say for many other things. Ed, we mostly say amen in the church as just following the example of the apostles. There's a number of places where they use amen. Amen just means so be it, truly. It's an agreement. Uh, you get into an Amen church, and every as you're going through preaching, and they're just saying, amen, brother, preach it. All they're saying is, I agree with what you're saying, so be it, yes. Um, and so we say, amen. Uh, we like to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, because we're recognizing it's only through him that I can approach the throne of God boldly. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. That's a tool that we used on the field with Austin Disaster Relief Network. We weren't proselytizing. We weren't, we weren't going and saying, you need Jesus, even though they needed Jesus, uh, they weren't ready for that at that moment in the midst of their disaster, so we met their physical needs, but then we prayed for them in the name of Jesus. It's An incredible tool. Um, someone who's not ready yet to hear the gospel, but they are ready typically for you to pray for them, and we can pray for them in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm going to have to bust through some of these things. Um, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us um, a lot of example of how to pray. And mostly what he's dealing with in Matthew chapter 6 is having a right heart. Um, if we just turn there real quick. Um, I just want to say a couple things out of here real quick. So the, the context for chapter 6 is out of verse 1, actually. I don't have it up there for the screen he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And that's what he gets into in this prayer. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Uh, this was something common with the Pharisees at that time. They'd stand on a corner and say, oh, God, and they're, all, they're putting on a show. Uh, and they got what they deserved. Or they got their reward. <laughs> okay, careful with that one. They got their reward. What was the reward? Is they were recognized by men. God saw them, or they, men saw them, and, and they got their recognition. He says, don't, don't go in, in public like that, put on show. Go into private. Um, your heart needs to be to God, and you will receive your reward from God. What is that reward? The same thing, but it's from God. I have been recognized and heard by God my Father, and he's actually going to be one who answers that prayer. Um, So when we pray, our heart needs to be in the right place. And Jesus gives us an example here of prayer, and there's no way we would dig into this in a minute or two. Um, But just real quick to go through this. We don't have to, when we pray, pray exactly like this. If you look through the New Testament, there's lots of prayers, and they look a lot different, all of them. But in here, Jesus is giving us some things, not only that are great structure of prayer, but reflect a life that is living in faith. It um, says, our Father in heaven. See, he likes to say Father. It's a good one. Um, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name is not part of the, the address. It is the first petition. Hallowed literally means um, sanctified. Be your name. Let your name be greater than all names. And as, and, and as we understand more about who God is and we understand more about his glory, and his wisdom, in contrast to the world that's around us that just hates God and is against God, um, the more heartfelt that petition becomes. God, let your name be great. Let your name be great in East Kyle through the Hope Church. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let your kingdom come. In the same way that your will is perfectly done in heaven, the angel's executing everything that is your perfect will. In my home, let that be the case. In my church, let that be the case, that your will would be done. And then it just gets very practical. It's been this huge, big prayer, and then down to give us this day our daily bread. Yes, God wants to answer the full spectrum of prayer. Am I asking God to provide my daily bread? He wants us to. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, my spiritual needs. I know that if I have unforgiveness in my heart, I can't carry that guilt. Now, what Jesus knew that they didn't know at this point that he would die and that ultimately our ask for forgiveness would be answered through the blood of Christ. says, God... Take care of my heart and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Boy, when you get into God digging into the depths of our heart and uncovering the sin that's there, God, I need victory over this sin. Lead me not into temptation. Such an example of how to pray. All right, I'm not going to cover everything I had in my notes, so let me make sure of what I want to keep and not. All right, I did want to talk about fasting because I've got a, I've got a to-do list. Um, fasting is not something everybody understands, something that we've done for dieting. Um, fasting isn't a requirement as a Christian, but fasting is something that is a special part of seeking the Lord in prayer. And basically, fasting, it's, it's taking something out of my life, normally food, and saying, more important than that, God, I am seeking your will. God, I want to know what you have for my life. This is kind of an extreme version of petitioning the Lord. God, I am with, in a very physical way, seeking your wisdom in my life. I need to know, God, what you have for me. Okay, if I go a few minutes long. The testimony of in my own life. Uh, November 2017. Uh, I've shared this in one of the previous services, but God um, God had led me to, to letting my wife know about a struggle that I had had for all of my adult life with pornography. And... In doing that, God was able to free me from that sin. For the first time in my adult life, I was free from something that had been um, an addiction. Praise the Lord for that. So then in December, following that, so that's a little over a year ago, December, for the first time in my life, nothing was held back from God. And boy, I wanted to seek the Lord in prayer. And finally, I got that chance. And what? So I took three days to fast. And I just said, God, I want—I want to hear Your voice in my life, fresh, for the first time. Because every other time I had sought the Lord, the thing that was right there on the table that I needed to take care of was this sin, this addiction. And the morning, I kept praying about it. i kept, God, take this out of my life. But I needed to confess it to my wife in order to get rid of it. And so that was always there. But now, for the first time, I could go to the Lord in prayer. And just be fully yielded to him, saying, God, there's nothing left in my life. And if there is, you have it. It's yours. Take it. And so for three days, I fasted. And at the end of those three days, I took some time to just be with the Lord for a day. And I like mountains. There aren't very many around here. I came from California. I do miss them a little bit. Uh, The highest point I could find in Austin was Mount Burnell. It's not really a mountain, but it's a high point. And so I spent some time there. And I, I brought a hymn book. I let, you know, I could read some hymns. I, I brought a notebook, brought my Bible. And I was just, I just started going through my whole life and just listening out God, here's what you have been doing in my life. God, this is, I just laying everything before him and, and taking a fresh look at the direction of what he had been working in my life, the things that he had given me fruit in that were not uh, my strengths, but were obviously him working. And it was in that time that he led me to knowing a calling on my life to full-time ministry. And I didn't know what that looked like yet at that time. Um, And so I was thinking then, well, it must be that, you know, I know there's this church. At that time, we knew that God had called us to multiply out of fellowship. We didn't know what that looked like yet. We are just starting to pray about it. Well, I I do believe you're calling me to be a part of that, but if I'm going to be a full-time ministry, I'm going to need to go off to college. So maybe after the first year or so, then then I'm going to just be uh, we're going to be moving so that I can go through college. So that was all going through my head as I was driving back, and then as I was just thinking about this church, um, I asked God, I said, oh, I don't know what came over me. Just in the car there, I said, God, who is going to pastor? Can you just let me know who is going to pastor this church? We need a pastor for this church. And immediately after that, had been out of my verbal, my, my, my mental um, thought, um, the word you just hit me with such um, such a flood of emotion that was both joyful and terrifying at the same time. I didn't know if that was just me creating something in my own head, but I did know at that time that if it was God speaking, that there wasn't anything going to stand in the way of it, that it would be what he was going to do. And so I haven't really shared that with anybody. Um, In this process of us going through, looking for a pastor, praying for a pastor, I didn't want that to be part of the equation. I just wanted God to be the one to take this this man who had never preached before, this man who was fresh off of freedom from an addiction that had taken his whole life, God, are you really going to use me? And he did. Praise the Lord. And it was the hand of God. Prayer is such an important part of our life. If prayer is not something that you have, it's a gift. And God works powerfully through it, so we need to be a church that knows how to pray. Um, I've gone terribly long. All right, I have a homework assignment. This week, three things. Um, first one, pray out loud with someone, especially your spouse. If you've never done it before, it's going to be incredibly awkward, and you can blame me. Um, went for years with, we just kind of lost that part of our life. Getting back to it was an incredible gift. Uh, if it's not your spouse, just with someone else, if you're not comfortable praying out loud, practice it, because it's an important part of our life to just feel at ease to go before God in prayer. Um, Take some time to fast. Let's let this be a week where we are as a church seeking the Lord. If you're not used to fasting, if it's something that you're still not sure, what do I do? Um, There's not any hard set rules. You could just take one thing out. Uh, You could go for a day. You could go for three days. Three days is a little harder. Um, But as you're fasting, just that's a time to say, God, I'm seeking you. As you feel hungry, you quote Jesus and say, my food is to do the will of the Father. Say, God, what is it that you have for me? I want to know your will. If You're still unsure. Grab somebody and say, I'm not used to this fasting thing. Do this with me. Let's learn how to do it. Um, and finally, if you can, maybe not this week or then or another week, get away with God. What I did on Mount Burnell, um, doesn't have to be Mount Burnell, doesn't have to be a mountain, um, But if you can get time away quiet and say, okay, God, and and especially if you can line it up so that happens at the end of the time that you're fasting, Um, bring things, bring tools, make sure you're going to be comfortable um, because you're going to spend time praying. Lay your calendar for the year before God and pray over it. Say, God, these are the priorities I have put there. What do you have for me? Um, Lay this church before God. Lay the community before God that's around. Um, Let's take this week to be in prayer. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Again, (laughs) I love your word. Thank you for this church that you have put together. Thank you for prayer. God, help us to learn how to pray better. God, help us uh, strengthen our faith so that when we pray, not only do we know how to pray, but it's gonna be powerful and changing and affecting Our lives changing, our families changing, the world around us. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.